Hi, friends. It is the Interesting People I Know podcast with Carrie Freitas. Stay tuned because Murphy has said that he's going to compose an original song since I guess I'm not allowed to rip one off. Um, copyright or something like that. Just really, really annoying, not convenient. So um, I'm going to have an intro song at some point. Um, but for now, it's just you and me. And actually, it truly is just you and me because I don't have a guest today. Um, because one, I it was a busy week and I couldn't book anybody. Two, I feel like I needed a week just to kind of decompress and um, kind of recompose myself after last week's podcast with my cousin, Tonsi, which was really amazing, but kind of heavy, but needed to be heavy. So I thought this week would just be me talking to you and um, keeping it. I mean, it's not going to be super light. It's never super light with me, but hopefully it's fun, interesting, all the good things. Um, so happy Friday. It's the day after Halloween. I have to fess up like my binge eating behavior really is usually on lock for the most part. Um, and it just comes out on Halloween. And I think it's just gross. And so my mouth literally feels like I had to eat rocks and glass because I ate so much sugar that my whole mouth is just a war zone. So um, this podcast might you know, be brought to you by at least 30 Kit Kats, probably like 50 Reese's of a normal cup size, not the tiny one. And um, what else was in that mix? Kit Kats, Reese's, Hershey's. I got desperate. I ate the Hershey's. And um, there were some weird like iterations of Reese's that I ate, like freaking ghosts and, and shit like this. And it's like none of it really. At some point, I'm like, I don't even like white chocolate. Why am I eating this? Um, and my mouth started to hurt from chewing. So <laughs> um, we're just on the road to recovery today. And I buried like the wrappers in the trash can so that Alan wouldn't judge me. Not that he would judge me, but I literally put them under other things. Sometimes I'd wrap them in a paper towel. I mean, just like the oldest tricks in the book from a former bulimic. And um, he still hasn't found them. And luckily, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so he'll never know about that. But you all know now. Um, And the cool thing is that I started recycling this week. Um, I'd always been told like in the, you know, privileged Newport Beach girl way that like, oh, you know, they separated at the at the dump for you. You don't have to separate your recycling. And I always felt weird to be like, one, that can't be true. Two, um, why wouldn't I separate it myself? Like how lazy and entitled am I? So we got a separate trash can for recycling. Finally, it's like the year 2020 practically. Um, and luckily, all my Reese's and Kit Kat and Hershey's wrappers are being recycled. So hopefully that's reducing my carbon footprint. Um, and I did produce a lot of energy from that sugar. So hopefully I... If I could put that up back on the grid, I would. Um, okay, so I did a little crowdsourcing for this week's episode. As usual, um, the usual suspects, whom I love and you know who you are, responded with ideas. And thank you. And I don't know why my other listeners aren't giving me ideas. I mean, no offense, you guys, but kind of offense. Like, step up. If you're going to listen, give me some feedback. Uh, it's not that hard. I mean, don't you guys have things you want to hear about? And if you don't like hearing me, then don't tune in. Know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so the first topic is social media. This seems to be one of those ones that keeps coming back. Blessing and curse. So I was talking to someone who has been off social media in one way for almost seven months. And she was telling me the way she does her social media is that she stays on so she can see what other people are doing and feel connected, but she doesn't post. And I thought that was super interesting because I was like, I mean, and I have a, a group of people. This was not the only person to tell me that that was their technique. I talked to like two, three different people. And they were all telling me that that's what they do. And I go, wow, that's really interesting. Because for me, the inverse is true. Like, I don't mind posting at all. 
Um, but I just get like, I don't even think it's FOMO. I kind of get what I would call fodor, which is like, um, which sounds really gross, like a smell, but it's not. I get fear of doing it wrong. Um, and I'm spelling wrong with an R apparently because I'm now like an idiot since I ate so much sugar. So maybe it's do. But um, I'll get back to that in a minute. So this gal was telling me, among other people, that she stays on social media, feels really good and connected because she sees other people doing cool things and loves it, feels close to people she's not living geographically near. Um, but that she stopped posting because she felt that like sometimes her posts were taken in the wrong way. And I thought that was so interesting because I've never thought about that. Um, and, you know, she was telling me a little bit about, you know, and, and again, this is not like news. I mean, we all know that people post their highlight reel. Um, and, you know, I think what, what did Lord call it? The supercut in her song. So we're posting all that good stuff. I mean, I don't, I think I do post some highlights, but it's not always when I look good. It's more like, um, cool things that I'm feeling good about. So that's my highlight reel. But I think a lot of people do post like, oh, this is like so filtered. I'm looking super hot. If you saw me in public, you wouldn't recognize me, but this is me and my best day. Um, here are all the things I'm doing. And um, this gal's not like that though. She was just posting and I think people were like really, I guess she got her feelings hurt because some people commented like they just didn't like her post, which I thought was like such a weird thing. Um, I don't, I don't think I'd ever comment to someone that I thought their post was not, a, I mean, unless it was inappropriate, but, um, so she said she just felt like she had to stop posting. Um, and like, I honor that. And she says she feels so much better now that she doesn't post because one, she doesn't have to run the gauntlet of worrying about, you know, people taking her post the wrong way too, is that she feels like she's more present obviously and enjoying the moments and maybe you know photographing them but not posting like not doing it for the gram and i thought that's obviously super healthy right and i feel like a lot of our teenage kids um especially girls you can see they're just doing it all for the gram and especially after halloween you've seen all the halloween posts with them and their you know sexy costumes Eek. and um you know it's all for the gram like the pose and everything and it's just crazy that we've got this whole generation of like young girls who literally know how to hit their angles and um I mean, I guess there's something to be said for that. But when I post, you know, when I look back at my, you know, teenage years and stuff, I mean, I, there wasn't really ever an angle hit on any of those photos. They're all just me, unadulterated and um, not with my arm down straight and no hip pop and there's no leg in front. And we just didn't know that then. And I think that was kind of great because now it's like, I feel like I can't even be in someone's Instagram photo that I know is being taken for the gram without trying to do some of the angles and then I always get them wrong like the hip hop turns into some kind of crazy shit where my like ass is in like the front of the camera I mean I don't know how it works but um so anyway I really told I told this this woman I said gosh it's really great I go do you not get the FOMO thing and she's like no and I said wow I'm like the opposite like for me um I'm not worried about being included because nowadays I'm like it's so funny, I think, and we'll talk about this later in this show, is that I'm just content to kind of be like hanging with a small group of friends, usually one-on-one, -on -one, or be at home and chilling out. But I do get this like fear of doing it wrong thing, which the acronym I said I made up, um, I spelled it wrong, which is unlike me because I was an eighth grade spelling bee champion, just for the record. Um, but I feel like, you know, I look at stuff and go, gosh, you know, like, look at this family, like they've got their beautiful, you know, holiday family photo already. And everyone looks beautiful and happy in that photo. And my family, you know, we, di we didn't get a holiday photo this year. And am I doing it wrong? Or I'll see a group of moms on a girl's trip. And even though anyone that knows me has invited me on a girl's trip, I always say no, and it's no offense to anybody. But I just am not like a girl's trip girl. 
Um, Because that sounds like I have to be on the whole time and it sounds exhausting. And I can only think of like a handful of people I'd want to even be on a trip with. And maybe not even them because I snore super loud and it would like I couldn't fucking sleep. So let's get real. I'd have to have a separate room and then they'd be like, this isn't a girl's trip because we're not in the same room and it's costing too much. And I'd be like, that's why I'm not your girl. But I see these cute women on a girl's trip and they look like they're Thelma and Louising it out and it looks so amazing. And I'm like, should I want that? I don't want like I don't want it, but I should maybe. So it's like that fear of doing it wrong or seeing people on Halloween like last night, a bunch of grownups I know dressed up super cute, inventive costumes, having a blast. And I'm like, why do I not like Halloween? I mean, I let, well, one, probably because I'm binge eating and my mouth hurts. But I feel like I just never have had the energy to dress up. As a kid, I was into it. But as a grown-up, I'm like, I don't know. Zero appeal to me. But then I'm like, am I weird? Should I want to be like these people on Instagram that are completely dressed up, couples costumes, family costumes, like costumes that needed sewing? I'm like, I just, so to me... I come at it the other way. So I was just really interested to talk to people about this. And I know that other people that weighed in were more of like the FOMO type, which is like feeling left out. And I think that's, you know, when you're in a group of friends at whatever age and like they're in a picture and you're not, that's, I think that would be very hurtful. Um, I'm not in a big group of friends um, purposefully, like I said, because I just don't have that much energy to like make sure everybody in that group's happy with me. And that's not really my job. But as a recovering codependent, I just am not set up for group interaction and activities. But um, if I were, I would be bummed if I weren't invited to a party or someone's throwing a cool Halloween party with like a bunch of friends and their kids and I'm not included or something. So I think social media can really hurt that way too. I don't have a solution, but I I do think there's got to be, I don't know, I think maybe if everyone were a little more real on their Instagram, that could be cool or like a little more authentic. And I, that those are the kinds of things I love seeing where it's like, you know, your kid was sick on Halloween, like just say like, this is, you know, post something like, hey, my little witch, you know, just finished throwing up and we're out on the trail, like doing, doing the trick or treating, like, that's kind of funny. It lets me into your life. Like, that's really cool. You know what I mean? Like, I love stuff like that. Or that's why I follow a bunch of fun, like, comedians accounts, because it's like always some pratfall thing that's hilarious. Or, um, people that like recreate like famous pictures of models and they're doing it like in a normal body with like approximating the same outfit. It's hilarious to me. So I guess it just comes down to authenticity. Like, could we be a little more real um, and show our real selves just out in the world and also on social media? Uh, And I'm going to actually look at my feed after this and just see if I've like not been real on stuff. I mean, sometimes I do stuff for work and you know, it's def- it's self-promotional. Like, hey, so excited we got this new client and it's authentic because I'm excited, but it is promotional. So I don't know if that is going to fit in. But like, are there any pictures on my feed where I look not like me because I'm so dolled up? And am I doing it for the right reasons? Am I like giving a shout out to someone who does makeup and making them feel good and going, look, she did my makeup. I look great. Or am I just doing it to say like, hey, I'm hot, you know, take a look at me. So I don't know. I think that the answer is somewhere in authenticity. And I think social media has got to be part of that. And I think that it's really hard for young kids, especially young women, young girls who don't know who they are yet, trying to figure out what their brand is. It's like, I think a lot of that should happen behind the scenes and not out in the public eye. But the cat's out of the bag on that one. And I'm not sure how to control it. So if anyone has any ideas, um, I would love to hear from you. And again, don't be shy about either DMing me, texting me, calling me, emailing me, or posting on my social media 
because um, I'd love to hear from you more. I feel like I do like to talk to myself, um, but I also like to know that people are listening and that you care. So I'd love feedback. Um, so that's the social media piece. Um, other things that people wanted me to talk about, um, a couple people were like really nice. And I think they're just being like super nice friends and like, tell us about your journey and how you overcame all these hurdles um, and stuff. And again, I don't have any more hurdles than the next person, but I appreciate them acknowledging what mine are. And um, I feel like I did talk about that in the episode about fear, because a lot of those hurdles were um, things that instilled fear in me that I had to work through and overcome and kind of just tough it out, which is not um, unique to me. I think a lot of people go through that. But one thing I was, um, I had taken a really nice walk this week for with one of, taken a couple of nice walks with friends this week, actually. And um, one of them was talking about, you know, her family dynamic. And so she asked me about mine and I told her my funny story. And some of it I can't share on my podcast because I'm afraid like, certain relatives not in my immediate circle but like one removed will like come after me and say that I'm like embellishing but I really don't think I am but they have just no self-awareness so I can't talk about them here if you're curious and you want to hear the offline version feel free to give me a ring because uh, I do have a funny story or stories about my extended family um but I think that you know one thing that I didn't realize until my he had passed was um what my dad had done for me. And I think that that was something that I was talking to this friend this week about just trying to have a relationship with the people in your life that that you may feel are toxic. And actually, it's so funny, this theme popped up with two different people this week that I was with. And I feel like that word toxic is a little overused. Uh, one of the things and I think it was like an Oprah thing that she kind of popularized and that was many moons ago. But to me, like one, you can't label someone as toxic um, through and through. So to me, it's like, everyone has good traits, everyone has some not so good ones, me included, you included. And um, I think it's hard to write people off lock, stock and barrel unless there's been something super grievous, there's been like physical or emotional, sexual abuse. I mean, you know, you all know um, what those hopefully what those exceptions should be, there's a line. Um, but I, I do think that it, when you can, and when it's not causing you incredible emotional or other kinds of pain, like if you're able with your family members to keep them in your life somehow, and it doesn't have to be without boundaries, it should have boundaries, it doesn't have to be um, in a way that doesn't feel true to you. But I feel like there's got to be a way to keep these relationships at least somewhat tethered so that you just don't, it's harder to, to, to totally write someone off and cut them out of your life. And I feel like I did that with my dad um, for so many years, because I was just I really judged him for not being the parent I needed um, after my mom died. And again, it was a tall order. Here's like a, you know, a 30, was he 40? This 40 year old man, workaholic, alcoholic, um, had his own problems growing up, self-made. Um, I think didn't really want kids in the first place, but my mom talked him into it. So here he is, you know, a widower um, and still, not, I don't want to say stuck, but I mean, I think this is kind of how he felt. A widower stuck with like, a, you know, one kid, a daughter who he didn't really understand. And he wanted just to work. I mean, his passion was his work. And he didn't want to have to raise me by himself. And nor did he have the tools. And I think, you know, generationally, I don't think any men in that generation had the tools. So but I still kind of levied judgment on him. And, you know, it was like, he was disappointing in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying he showed up like he should have a lot of times. But 
he was human and I do think he tried his best. And, you know, for so many years, it just wasn't enough for me. And I just had no grace uh, for him. So I would just shit talk him and like try to hurt his feelings and withhold my love and, um, you know, judge everything he did, even though he was trying to reach out to me in his way just wasn't enough for me. So even till the end, like I hadn't forgiven him. um, And he passed away. And we had a shit relationship and a shallow one and just not not a good one. And so, um, you know, there's, there's, it's, I guess it is regret. I mean, it's not like something that keeps me up at night. But I think that I do wish that I had given him more of a shot, had more grace, been more mature, gotten what I could have out of the relationship, recognized what love was, even if it was coming packaged in a different form, like sending me clippings from the Wall Street Journal, you know, which of course now I do to my kids. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Um, So I feel like talking to this friend, I'm like, you know, you even though your family has behaved in some egregious ways, it's really hard to write someone off. I think it takes more energy. It took me a lot of energy and it was negative energy to like keep hating on my dad even from a distance, like um, mindfully keeping him separate from my life, mindfully, you know, um, not letting him in. So I think if I had just had a little more grace and just been like, you know, this is what he's able to give me. I accept that. It's it's not enough. I acknowledge that. But I, you know, like, hey, he's trying. This is what it's going to be. At least get this out of it and move forward. It would have been a much nicer, albeit still shallow, but at least not negative relationship. And um I spent so much needless energy, you know, pushing against him. And so I was telling my friend, you know, who with her family, they're just not accepting of some of her choices. And I feel like um, it happens a lot. I don't really get it. Um, I think as a parent, you just, and again, unless there's choices that are like hurting this child, I mean, in really um, objective ways. So it's not like, oh, I think you made the wrong choice of, of boyfriend because he's not good enough for you. But if this person is someone that loves on your kid, they love them back, they're not hurting them. Um, they're, they seem to be happy, you know, they're productive. Um, I just feel like there has to be some acceptance there. And why would you jeopardize a, a familial relationship when there's like, there's such blessings and can be um, just because you don't agree with some choice like that. So to me, I told my friend, look, it's not right that your family doesn't embrace you and your boyfriend. Um, but I feel like, you know, you, as much as it, it's not fair, and as much as it doesn't make sense, like at least have the relationship you can have with them. I know that the um, inclination is to cut them out and say, fuck you, and I don't have time for this, and you should love me no matter what, which is true. Um but the world's not a perfect place and people are not perfect, you know, beings. So I was kind of advising like, hey, you know what? Have the relationship you can have with them. I mean, say your piece, tell them that you love them, but this is super hurtful and that you don't understand why they wouldn't love you through your choices. Um, but, you know, that you want to have a relationship and, you know, let's figure out what that can be then. If you're not going to accept this, let's figure out, you know, what else we can be doing to have some kind of connection because I just feel you don't want to squander um, those familial connections. I mean, I think that, you know, again, I know that a lot of times, you know, um, you don't pick your family, but there's something special about family that is hard to recreate in a friendship. And I just feel like people shouldn't squander opportunities to to make the most of having family connections. So um, 
that's something that I was able to share with her. Again, I'm not a therapist. I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but it felt, it feels right to say it. And, um, you know, I had another friend I was with yesterday and having some stuff going on with her mom. And, um, you know, it's like the mom wasn't behaving right. And it's not like she's trying to be, you know, difficult, but I think she doesn't know better. And so luckily my friend is a big enough person to be like, you know, going to say her piece, but then like move on, you know, and that's kind of another thing is like not holding on to grudges, uh, which I did with my dad, which is such a waste of time. And um, I talked to another friend this week who had a friend breakup. I had talked about that with um, Jennifer Smith, um, the licensed marriage and family therapist who's local here in Newport. And we talked about like friendship breakups and how they can be so difficult and can there be a better way to do it? And we talked about having honest conversations that are with grace and heartfelt and loving, even if you're talking about a difficult thing. And so a friend of mine and I were talking and she had this long-term friend for 10 plus years and they were close. And then one day this friend comes to her and just, um, you know, my friend felt so blindsided because his friend's like, basically had some litany of of um, injuries that my friend had done to her, you know, like perceived wrongdoings of, you know, you didn't talk to me enough about this, or you you didn't show enough appreciation or excitement about this thing I did. And, um, you know, my friend was saying she was so blindsided, and the friend just basically didn't give her a chance to mend the relationship and just said, I'm gone. And, um, you know, again, there's two sides to every story. But from what I heard, and knowing this, this friend of mine, I'm like, there was no ill intent. And there might have been some situational stuff, like maybe a friend brings up a topic that you're not in a place to talk about right then, not about your relationship, but just about anything in life. And maybe you're having a hard day, I and mean, there has to be some grace. So I thought that was a really interesting and not unusual situation to have someone kind of store up a list of grievances like I did with my dad, for example, never air them, hold on to them, build up resentment, which is just eating you inside probably will cause some kind of you know, either mental health issues or even physical health issues, um, when you could just talk about it. I'm not saying it's easy, but the older I get, the easier it gets. And I'm just wondering if there's a way for us all, no matter how old we are, just to be brave enough to have the conversations. Um, I think I told you before, I'm doing this little journal daily and, and every few days it changes up the questions. And one of them's like, what's a difficult but important conversation you're brave enough to have this week. And I think that's such a great exercise. It's like, who have you not talked to about something that really bothers you? And talk about it in a way that's, um, you know, fair. So to me, it's like, you know, if you've got a friend that always flakes on you, and this is not pulled uh, from the pages of my life. So just so you know, <laughs> last time I got some things, uh, I got some comments from friends were like, you know, I hope I'm not the person that is overloading you with, you know, um, neediness or whatever. And I'm like, these are just like, unless I tell you, they're theoretical examples from my life. So uh, this is not or not from my life. These are theoretical examples. So for example, this is not real for me. Um, You know, what if someone flakes on you all the time, and it really hurts your feelings? You know, I think you should bring it up as soon as you can, as soon as you see what you perceive as a pattern. Don't hold on to the resentment, talk to your friend, just say, hey, it really hurts my feelings that you know, I feel like you cancel plans a lot. And you know, I'm probably making up a story here about you not loving me, but I know that's not true. Um, you know, can we talk about it? And your friends probably just gonna be like, you know what? I mean, this is something that this part has, I feel like happened to me where I'm like, I do, I make plans when I know I can't keep them sometimes because I feel guilty saying no. And um, then I cancel them because I just know I'm already overwhelmed. And so like, I got to stop doing that, right? So your friend, maybe they're me, might say, hey, you know what? I'm glad you brought this up. 
I really love you. I want to see you, but I just feel overwhelmed lately. And I know we should be getting together more, but I just haven't had the bandwidth. It's not a lack of love. It's not a lack of caring. Um, you know, is there a way we can meet in the middle on like how much we see each other um, over this next six months, let's say, because work's crazy or I'm going through a divorce or whatever it is. Um, and just being super honest. And again, I know they're not easy conversations to have, but I think they're important. And um, a good example came up for me last week and a, a good friend of mine counseled me through it. And I really appreciate it. Um, and she knows who she is. But the example is that I was on a walk with uh, my daughter, Jeannie. And so she's been, you know, going through some stuff, uh, as we all do from time to time. And I think a lot of it's that teenage angst you get when you're a senior in high school. And um, you're it's the push and pull, like you're pulling away from people, but you're also not clinging to them, because that's not her, but you're kind of still tethered and want to be connected, but you're pulling away, you're pushing away, because you're anticipating this big um pull away for college the next year, right? So it's like you're almost subconsciously working through some of the stuff. So you might be pushing your parents away and distancing a little bit while at the same time, just wanting to be with them. Same thing with friends. I mean, I remember my senior year of high school was really difficult because I think I had a, had made a lot of great friendships. Some of them were longer term. Some of them had just kind of blossomed the year before in high school friends. And, um, and I remember pushing away on people and they were doing the same to me and it felt really hurtful. I thought they were like breaking up with me, but really it was just this natural flow of life where we're like all saying and thinking like, these people are my people. And next year, likelihood of me being with them at college is next to none because we're going to different schools or likely will. And so it's like, you got to, you want to start like pulling off the bandaid, but um, creates a lot of angst and sadness and hurt and like um, rootlessness. And I think people do the same thing with their parents. And so Jeannie's been going through some of that and just some other stuff. And um, she was like, hey, I really think I could use a dog. You know, when granted, we already have two dogs, two cats. And one of the dogs is her brother's. Um, but it's like, and I I knew the last thing I needed right now was a, was a new dog. And even though she's very responsible and said she would take care of it, I also know that she's super busy. It's senior year. She's one of the yearbook editors. She's got a ton of classes. There's college applications. She's dating. You know what I mean? It's like, realistically, and she has no way of knowing this because she's 18. There's no way she's going to be able to take care of like that dog like she wants to or needs to, even though she intends to. So I said, maybe, and kind of encouraged her to like, look at shelters and look into this and look into rescues. When I really knew in my heart of hearts, it was the last thing I wanted. And I just was probably going to say no. So I string her along for a week, which is just terrible. Um, all because I didn't want to say no and be honest up front. Didn't want to hurt her feelings, have a hard time saying no to her and have a hard time saying no in general, drawing boundaries, the whole codependent thing. And so poor thing, understandably gets super excited and thinks we're going to do all these things. I mean, I even get to the point where I'm like, okay, well, shit, I'm too deep in it now. Um, and she wants a puppy or rescue. And that scares me because I just think it's a lot more work than knowing what you're getting. So I start to look up like, crazy, um, beautiful golden retrievers for sale that are like a year old that have already been trained. And they cost as much as a small economy car, right? And I don't have, I mean, if I chose to allot the money to that right now, I could, but like, is that a smart expenditure? And is it something I really can afford? No. But so I start getting in talks with this gal that has these beautiful golden retrievers, perfectly trained, gorgeous, ready to go. It's like a designer dog that's already been trained. And then I'm like, what the heck am I doing? But I'm not, but I'm thinking that, but still going forward. So then I share with Jeannie, like the application that we have to fill out for these dogs. And I forgot to black out the price of the dog because I knew she would freak out. 
because she's more responsible with money stuff than I am. So she looks at it and she's like, mom, what the hell? It's 10 grand for a dog. She's like, I don't need a 10 grand dog. I was just asking for like a mutt or this and that. And then I felt like shit and I didn't know what to do because I was in so deep. So I call my friend and I'm like, you got to help me. Like, I'm just, I messed up. And so she's like giving me the advice that I need to hear that I would tell anybody else but couldn't tell myself. And she was so insightful about it. She's like, just tell her you messed up. Be super authentic. Tell her, oh my gosh, this is what was really happening in my head. I swear to you that, you know, from now on, like a maybe is a true maybe, a no is a no, a yes is a yes. Um, and Jeannie was like so wonderfully gracious and understanding. And I told her, I go, you don't have to forgive me now. You can be pissed for as long as you want. I would be fucking pissed. Because I basically led you on for like more than a week about something that was like an emotional, you know, kind of... Um, issue it wasn't just about a dog it was about how she was feeling and what support she needed and um and there was the element of her brother having gotten like an emotional support dog when he was going through his hardest time um and so there was an issue of like is this fair that she doesn't get one and you know this whole thing and and I was so thankful that she was so gracious and understanding and I think it was very unexpected not because she's not that person but because I would have been hella pissed Um, But I have to say, it was like a really tough conversation that made me nauseous, that actually ended up being a beautiful thing, gave her a chance to show me who she, who I already know she is. I felt like it was super honest, open, healing, and wonderful. So it's like, I'm not saying and holding myself up as a paragon of virtue or wisdom, but I do feel that, you know, when we have these tough conversations, they pay off. Um, And if they don't, they don't, but at least we've tried, right? So that's a really long rant about that topic. Um, I wanted to talk about burnout um, and purpose. So one thing I've been experiencing a lot of lately, and I'm asking everyone if they're feeling it, is burnout. Um, I feel like I was talking to another friend this week, I've had a really great week talking to friends and reconnecting, which has felt so amazing. And one of the friends I was like asking, are you burned out? And she's like, you know, I, I think I am. She's just like super tired. And I'm like, I just feel like I'm perpetually exhausted. Uh, and part of that's like my sleep habits or, or shit, you know, and it's I, I sleep fairly well, but it's like, it takes me forever to go to sleep because all I want to do is stay up as late as possible and like consume as much either book, video, TV as I can because I'm like, this is the only time I get to myself, I have to stay up as long as possible which is stupid. I got to figure out a better way to balance my days. But I was like, are you burned out? She's like, yeah. But then we're talking about like, but we live in this culture. And there was this thing in the New York Times recently about this workaholism culture and like the hustle culture. And I've totally bought into it. And I'm realizing like, I don't think it's right. Like, and I think um, anyone who works for me that might listen to this podcast is probably like, yeah, Carrie buys into that culture. Because everyone that works for me has to hustle, hustle, hustle. Um. And don't get me wrong, I love a good work ethic. I love productivity. I love efficiency. I love people that are passionate about what they do. And so work doesn't seem like work. Like all that stuff is really good. But when I think about like our whole hustle culture and like what are you doing? And do you have a do you have any kind of side hustle? And what's your main hustle? And what's your, you know, it's like, are we doing this right? I feel like, you know, because I am always thinking about other ways to make money or other jobs I could have or other projects. And I'm like, Am I running away from something else? Like to me, I'm like, why do I have to hustle so hard? And I was talking to my friend about martyrdom and like workaholism. And I'm like, 
well, shit. I hold myself up as a paragon of like, look at me, like I'm a sole breadwinner, um, have been for a long time, you know, but look at me, I'm doing it. You know, I'm still able to, you know, give my kids a good lifestyle. I'm paying for college. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. We're taking a trip. You know, we may not have been one of the many Insta families that went to Italy this summer. Apparently everyone in Newport, like, got a special, just kidding, um, for going to Italy. Murphy's like, we didn't. Um, But, like, literally, if you looked at, like, a Newport Beach Instagram feed, you'd be like, everyone is in Italy at the same time. And I know how much that trip costs. It's probably at least 50 G, so I'm just saying. Um, But still, I'm like, you know, I feel like there's a, like, I'm, you know, like Carrie, like Carrie of Arc, like I'm some kind of martyr, you know, because I'm like doing all this work and I'm doing so well and so much hustle, you know, and I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm burned out, probably burning my employees out. Um, not really as present as I want to be. Jeannie has noticed it. Um, and even I told Alan, like, we're just, we're in a new relationship. I mean, we've been going out for three years and then married for one. And it's like, um, I'm already seeing myself like just doing the like, we might as well be married 20 years because I'm like, I'm going to watch my video, you know, you stay over there and watch your sports. And and, you know, and again, we don't have to be tethered at the hip and doing the same shit all the time and watching couples TV or whatever. But it's like, what am I doing these patterns? Like, so I feel like I've been a workaholic masquerading as a martyr hustle girl boss. Um, and I need to stop that. So speaking of authenticity, that's the real deal. Um, I think I'm a workaholic and I'm, I'm letting you guys know that that's a problem. And I think maybe it's because I was raised that way because my dad was, that was role modeled. Maybe it's like encouraged in our culture because it's the hustle culture and the, you know, girl boss culture. Um, maybe there's some necessity to it, you know, being the breadwinner and supporting these kids, which I'm happy to do. And it's my job to do that. Um, but I feel like there's got to be a better way. Have I not developed any other interests? Like I love my work. So I don't want to change the fact that I'm passionate about it. And that I think about it a lot. And, you know, when I read things or read about trends, or I'm out in the world, I think of ideas for work, like that's fun. I don't want those neurons to stop firing. But like, shouldn't I have a more balanced life? Like, do I need to take up a sport? Do you know, do I need to, I don't know, like start a nonprofit, not to have a hustle, but just like for a passion project? Do I need to, I don't know, travel more? Do I need to volunteer? I mean, something else has to be happening, because I feel like I have ended up being really one dimensional. This podcast is definitely part of it. And it's so funny, the times that I've been telling myself, ah, you know, I'll just skip it this week. And then I'm like, why? This is something that gets me out of my work zone, is just for me, and hopefully some other people are getting some benefits. But I feel like, you know, I need to do more of that. And I feel so guilty slowing down. I feel guilty um, taking care of myself. I feel guilty spending time with a friend and not working. Um, But that's stupid. And I think I bring that up. No one's telling me that it's fucked. No one's telling me that it's the wrong thing to do. I'm doing that. So I really need to work on that. I don't know if any of you are feeling that. I'm not talking about like, if you quote unquote work, you know, at a gig, I'm talking about like, all the people that work their asses off every day as you know, full time parents, as caregivers to elderly parents, and or a combination of these two things at our age. Um, as people that are like giving till it hurts with like the local school foundations, PTAs, local nonprofits, um, being that that friend that's there for everybody. Like, are you burned out? Like, are is your soul getting fed? Are you making excuses for not feeding it? Do you feel like you're not worthy of being fed? 
Um, do you feel like, you know, you're better at work or you're better at, you know, being a friend than you are being good to yourself or being the person you're supposed to be? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Do you have a calling? Like all these things are what I'm thinking about. And um, I've got to think of a better way to live. And I don't know whether, and I would love to know actually. So please reach out to me via any mechanism you want, including like showing up at my house and knocking at my door. Um, to let me know, is is this a problem for you? Are you feeling perpetually burned out? Do you feel like you don't know what your mission, vision, purpose is in life? Do you feel like that's a fucked up question to even ask because you're too busy to think about that and Carrie, shut up. I've got, you know, little kids and I don't have time for that. That's fair. Um, but like, would you want to be part of a group, a conversation, a virtual group, a virtual conversation, a real one, in person, on the phone, accountability? I mean, I don't know what it is, but do you have a desire to be on this journey with me? Because I feel like um, I'd like to somehow like codify this and basically be like, let's all help each other. Like, how do we do that? Um, I've been threatening to start this women's group and everyone that's gotten an email from me about it knows it's been like literally since February, haven't done it. Because I've been feeling so burned out and overwhelmed. I'm like, I can't just do another thing and do it half ass. But maybe it's time to do that group. Maybe it's time to make it bigger. Maybe it's time to have it be a big group of people um, and virtual or whatever, but there's got to be something because I feel like um, I'm just like being busy to probably avoid something is what I'm thinking. I don't know what it is. I mean, it might be like, I mean, it's for the same reason I'm binge eating Halloween candy. If you guys know what the answer is for me, I'd also love to know that. So please give me a call. Let me know what my issues are. Um, I feel like part of it's, you know, and stuff I just obviously haven't wanted to look at, but I don't, I'm sick of masking it without, uh, I'm not alcoholic. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It's not a Freudian slip because I don't really drink anymore. Um, but I'm not, I am a workaholic and I feel like I love my business. I don't want to ever give it up. I love mentoring. I love my clients, but it's like, where's the balance? And I got to find it because I think I'm running away from something else. And maybe it's my true purpose. Maybe that's really scary. Um, maybe it's showing up as who I really am. I feel like I'm starting to do that, but maybe I need to be more of that. So if you're feeling any of this push or pull, would you let me know so we can get together um, in groups or however it is and help feed each other's souls, enlighten each other and move forward? I would love that. Um, Long story long, what else am I looking at? I think I've talked about most of my topics. That was really my end topic. But I will say um, that I'm super thankful for everything um lately i was thinking about this like not feeling fulfilled and this is something that bridget belden talked about in one of the early podcasts it's like she woke up one day had the corner office she wanted even the exact car she'd always dreamt of on her vision board the healthy kids the great husband the marriage the house the friends and she still didn't feel fulfilled and i think that that's where i find myself i'm like i've got a really great group of women around me um, like I've never had before that's all based on authentic, really loving relationships, even if they're not living locally. Um, I have like two great kids who are both like f- who they are following their passions, like whether for Liam, it's transitioning to male and he's finally, finally like found his like identity and living it and seems so much happier. And Jeannie knows who the hell she is too. And at such a young age, these kids are knowing who they are. I'm super proud of them. Um, and I feel like I've got a great husband who just like loves me, like loves on me like all day long and is so there and is so wonderful and has this great fun personality is super supportive is like everything I've wanted. Right. I've got 
my health and my family's health and I've got um, living in a beautiful part of the world and my work is amazing. I mean, my company is thriving. I've got amazing, like a group of now, uh, we just had a new person join us. Four women who are like so kick-ass um, and giving it their all and doing a great job. And I'm like, I mean, everything is awesome, right? So it's like, why do I not, why am I not feeling it? So um, I'm so glad Bridget brought that up in her episode. I'm finally coming to this point now too, uh, years behind Bridget, obviously, but that's okay, right? So if anyone else is there in this place of like gratitude and thankful for what they have, but like yearning for more, what is it? Let's help each other find it. You know where to get in touch with me and I hope you will. Um, Okay. So it's that season of Thanksgiving. I think all year should be Thanksgiving, but I'm in a lot of gratitude for everyone that listens for my life, for this podcast, for Murphy Cargus at Cargus Media and his wife, Julie, who if you haven't worked with her yet, she does amazing stuff, uh, video, photo, digital marketing. I have to get a plug in there for her because I've been working with her more this week um, and recently, and it's been like amazing. So thanks to the Cargases. Um, And thanks everyone for listening. And you will talk to me next week. And hopefully, I will prioritize my life in a way that um, the workaholism falls back a little bit. And I book a podcast guest talking about something interesting. I have a good feeling about it. Have a great week.